Jesus said this, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth. You shall know it. And the truth will set you free. It will set you free. The truth is Jesus. And when you know Him, His truth displaces every lie. Just like the light displaces darkness, so His truth pushes out lies. And when you live in that place of knowing that, there is a freedom to experience and a freedom to know. It's for us as the church of Jesus Christ. And as we come into this place to worship us, to worship God, not us, to worship God. Got to get that one right, eh, Jay? <laughs> Do you know, this age is probably known as the, the age of self-worship. What's the most common thing you hear people talking about is selfies. But we're here to worship Jesus. And so as we come into this place, I want to really encourage you as you come week by week, month by month, Come with your heart expectant to worship Jesus. Come with a heart that wants to engage with the truth. Because today, as we listen to God's Word, His truth wants to explode His light into our hearts. And as we see His light, it brings us revelation, it brings us hope, it brings us joy, it brings us peace. And it's found in His presence. And the more you desire it, the more God will give it to you. The more you hunger and thirst after His righteousness, the more He'll engage with you. He is longing. He is desiring. He is crying out. He's calling for you to come in to all that He is. And He will never disappoint you. He will never, ever let you down. There is no one as good. No one is as great. No one as amazing as Jesus. He is awesome. And so as we come, as we gather on Sundays, I want to invite you to come with hearts that are so expectant and so, so longing for Jesus. As we conclude our gathering this evening, I want to, I want to say this to you now. Come prepared to come down to the front as a body gathered here in this place to engage and worship God like we've never done on a Sunday evening before. Isn't that a great challenge? But it's more than a challenge. It's a place of saying, Lord, I want to step into more of you. I want to step into the fullness of who you are. And when I know that, when I live in that, the freedom that God has for us, the freedom that God has for you and me is so, so beautiful. It is so life-transforming. It is so attractive. I'll never forget when years ago when I was in Palmerston North and I met a pastor. I was like 20 years old. It was only 15 years ago. <laughs> that makes me younger than Sheridan, eh? <laughs> I can say that even though he's watching online. But I met this pastor, and I'll never forget this. As he looked into my eyes, his eyes were the most beautiful color blue I could describe. But I felt incredibly undone in front of him. 
He didn't judge me. He didn't say anything to me, but he was living, and you could tell, with such a sense of the purity of God. And as he looked into my eyes, I thought, oh, my goodness, you know everything about me. Jesus said, blessed are the pure, for they will see God. And so I want to encourage us, church, as we press into more of God, as we long to see more of Jesus, make a commitment to live for Him, a commitment to live in purity for Him, in holiness and righteousness. Because as we do that, we feel God, we see God, we experience God like we've never seen before. It's an awesome place to be. And I don't say that to say that because we're perfect. None of us are. None of us have got it all together. But this one thing I know, those that hunger and thirst for God, God says, I'll meet you at your place of greatest need. He longs for a people that hunger and thirst for Him. Let's be that people. Let's be that people that cry out for Him, that press into Him, that seek His truth. We live in an age that is marvelous, really. As I said this morning, we live in an age where the world has, in one way, never been such a fantastic place to live. Medical technology is the best it's ever been. Mortality rates, the lowest they've ever been. The uh, standard of living housing is the best it's ever been. And yet, we're faced with a moral decay like we've never seen before. We live in a post-modern era. In the pre-modern era, the standard of truth was God's Word. Society accepted the church and the teachings of Jesus as the moral compass for it to live by. The downside with that is it became religious. It was about rules and regulations. But as the world and its knowledge moved forward, it came to the modern age. And no longer was the standard of Scripture or the church the benchmark. It was now science. What science said. And I really enjoy watching YouTube clips with atheists like uh, Richard Dawkins or the late Chris Hutchins, to name a number. And they're all about science. But we've moved past that into the postmodern era. So it's no longer the standard of the church and and the word as it was in the pre-modern era. It's no longer the standard of science who sets the moral compass. It's now self. Whatever I think is right, whatever I desire to do, has become the standard in our society. That influences hugely the way we think and feel. As I shared this morning when Wendy and I were on sabbatical uh, in Los Angeles in 2016, almost to the day two years ago, almost to the day. And as I said this morning, I was shocked as I was walking around Los Angeles and these words just kept going through my mind. America's great. America's great. And I'm going, my word, where does that come from? Because I've never said that to myself in New Zealand. America's great. And it dawned onto me, this is the atmosphere. This is the, the news feed in the atmosphere. 
America's great. And I was picking it up like a sponge. I was soaking it in, and it was going in. The same thing happens here in New Zealand, but I never recognized it. It wasn't until I got out of this environment and to a new environment and went, oh my goodness, there's an atmosphere that I'm absorbing. There's an atmosphere that I'm picking up. There's an atmosphere that's shaping the way that I think, the things that I say, the things that I do. It's shaping me. It's molding me. Wendy and I were then traveled to Galilee in Israel. Absolutely an awesome place to go to. If you ever have the opportunity, I encourage you to go. You'll love it. And there on the, the shores of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus ministered, it was awesome. And one, uh, one evening we were going out for dinner. In fact, it started that day and we visited the place Capernaum where Jesus was based for his ministry. And, and there was the Apostles Peter's house. And do you know when Jesus said to Peter, go to the, um, the synagogue and pay the temple tax? You know that story? And Jesus said to Peter, go to the lake, cast a line in, catch a fish, and there will be a coin to pay the, the temple tax. As I was in this place and Wendy and I were just sitting there and that place has an atmosphere. And I was just caught in the atmosphere of Jesus, just imagining what Jesus was like on the shores of Galilee. And this is what came to me. This is what pressed into me. And it highlighted this atmosphere. And it was this. Jesus did everything from a place of rest. He wasn't striving. He wasn't out to prove a point. He functioned from a place of rest. And he functioned with absolute authority. You know, he dealt with a lot of demonic forces. And it was like this impression I had, Jesus had a, a cricket bat. And there were demonic forces causing havoc. He would get the cricket back and whack them around the air because he had the authority of his Father behind him. So it was a place of rest, a place of authority. And then the final thing, it was all about the kingdom. Jesus was all about the kingdom. This atmosphere in this place, 2,000 years on from when Jesus was there, there I absorbed it. There it came into me. And it's never left, left me, and it encourages me, and it lifts me, and it strengthens me. Jesus walked from a place of rest and authority, and it was all about the kingdom. And Jesus says to you tonight, walk from a place of rest in the authority I have given you to see the kingdom of God extended in every place where you're at. As you go out this week, remember that. Walk from a place of rest and the authority that God has given to see the kingdom extended. And when we conclude this evening, I'm going to give you three take-home hows, how to do that. They're the same as this morning because I don't want to confuse people and I want to keep it simple for me. But I'm going to give you three takeaways. So here we are, we're in Capernaum, and that evening, Wendy and I, well, it might have been the next day actually, it's a Saturday, it's a Sabbath, and we're going to find a restaurant. And I drove all through Tiberias, which is down near the, the Sea of Galilee. I kid you not, there's not one restaurant open. Not one. It's the Sabbath. There's no cars driving. No restaurants open. Until finally we found one. It was a Christian restaurant. 
And what amazed me as we're driving around, and I've never felt this way ever before. I was driving on a Saturday. I've driven all over the world on Saturday. And here I was feeling guilty for driving. And I absorbed the atmosphere that you don't drive on a Sabbath. You don't walk, work on a Sabbath. And it dawned on me, we are all sponges absorbing the atmosphere around us, constantly sucking it in. And so my question is to you tonight, what atmosphere are you absorbing? What is the atmosphere you're absorbing? And what's your strategy to deal with it? Because if you just carry on absorbing the atmosphere without a biblical approach to it, you get sucked into it. You just become like any other person. And as followers of Jesus, He's called us and He's put the light into us. That makes us distinct. It makes us different. Different in a good way. Different in a great way. And so I want to encourage us, wherever you're at, is to live according to the light of Jesus in you. And this is really, really important, church. Because if we don't understand the influence of the atmosphere, we get sucked in to the world's voice about morality, about sexuality, about gender. And whatever the world says, we go, yeah, that's fine. But God says, don't get absorbed into the culture of the world around you. Don't go there. Don't stay there. Come into my culture. And that is found in my presence. That is found in dwelling in the secret place with me. And I really encourage you as you go this evening is to read Psalm 91. We won't read it now, but read Psalm 91 about hiding in the secret place. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians 3, verse 15. Just be with me. I'll open it up. This is written by the Apostle Paul. Beautiful piece of scripture. And this is what he says. Colossians 3, 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. But the Apostle of Paul is saying, let there be peace within us and let there be peace amongst us. Let the peace of Christ rule. That Greek word rule is a really significant word and it applies in in ancient Greece to the Olympic Games And you could translate it, umpire. Just imagine running the 100 meters or the 200 meters. And there is the umpire. And the umpire is saying, sir, madam, you're in lane one. To another person, you're in lane two. Yet to another, you're lane three. You're lane four. You're lane five. All the way to lane eight. So the umpire puts each of these people in their lane. 
The person in lane two, you can't go to lane six. Likewise, the person in lane six, you can't go to lane three. I'm the umpire. I set the lane you're in. And as you run, I'm guiding you to make sure you keep in the lane. The peace of God is like that. It keeps us in the lane. For some of you, your lane will be to serve in ministry. Awesome, in a church setting. For some of you, your lane is to serve in ministry in IT. For some of you, another lane is to serve in a trade. For some, to serve as a teacher. Because when you seek that out, you feel God's peace directing you and leading you. As I shared this morning, I, and I'll share this with you, I was um, in my early 20s and we got the opportunity to lead a church. I thought, yes, praise God, this is wonderful. So Wendy and I thought, well, we'll do the right thing. We'll go away and pray. It's good, isn't it? We'll go and pray. We'll go and fast. So we went to Whangamataua or um, Fidianga. I can't remember which one it was now. There we prayed and fasted for one, two, three, maybe four days. We were there for a week. I was thinking, right, this is going to be fantastic. I had this awesome expectation that God was going to answer. At the end of seven days, guess what I heard? That's it. Silence. There was nothing. I thought, God, have I got wax in my ears? Have you gone on holiday? What is with this? Lord, you know how much I want to do this thing. But there was nothing. I, I absolutely had nothing from God. So I came back to Palmerston North. That's where we were living at the time. And I said to the church leaders, the executive team at the time, I said, look, I'd love to do this but I've got no mandate. I've got no peace to run in this lane. It's not for me. I'd love it to be, but it's not for me. Then a couple of years later, three years later it was, we got a call to go and pastor another church. I thought, yes, this will be the one. We went up, we met the church leaders, we met the selection team, we preached, we did all that sort of stuff. I thought, yes, surely this will be the lane. This is the lane that God wants us in. And went home for lunch with the pastor that afternoon. I just felt to open my Bible, which is what I did. Open to Judges chapter 1. And it said, Joshua is dead. <laughs> and I thought, well, that lane's off too. <laughs> How is that? Two out of two, not doing very well here, am I? <laughs> but do you know, when you can get to a place, maybe, and, and, and finding your lane is so important. It's so important for you young people too. It really is. Because you make the biggest decisions in your life around this time. You're making the decisions where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, who you're going to relate with, what church you go to. These are big decisions. And it needs guidance. It needs the wisdom of God, which means take notice of that internal navigation system, the peace of God, and let it rule. Let it guide. Talk with others that have got wisdom and counsel and experience. But that internal navigation system is a gift from God. 
And in John 16, 33, Jesus said, my peace I give with you, my peace I leave with you. And do you know what? If you're trying to go down a lane that God hasn't called you, there's a disturbance here. It gets out of whack. The navigation system says rerouting, rerouting, rerouting over to lane five. And uh, you're in lane five, I want to go back over here. And the navigation system saying rerouting, rerouting. And when you get to lane five, the relief. I'm in the peace of God. I am the place where God wants me to be. Letting the peace of Christ rule your heart is a key to finding this truth and knowing it and the freedom that God has for you. Isn't that beautiful? And for every one of us, your lane is so important. And I want to really encourage you is to run your lane and allow the peace of God to lead you there. Sometimes when you're confronted with lanes, and I'll never forget this, I looked at a business deal a number of many years ago, and on the surface of it, a lane may look really good. This particular business, it was innovative. It had a great team. It was a new industry. It was a growing industry. I thought, yes, it's got all the ticks to make it seem really, really positive. I have never felt so disquieted on the inside. I said to the guys, I don't know what I'm going to say to this this group that are offering it to us, but I had to say to them, look, it's just not sitting well with me. I'm just not going to do it. They were disappointed, and on the inside I was going, yes! I was at peace. Other times, peace comes so easily, doesn't it? I remember when we looked at buying a house. As soon as I saw it, I said to Wendy, that's it. She said, of course, you're going to have to look at other houses. I said, I don't need to. She said, we're going to look at other houses. So like a good husband, okay, we'll look at other houses. Yeah, it's a good good thing that, isn't it, Mola? And... Uh, But we came back to that house and we lived in it for many years. Here's another thing I found about the peace of God. You may or may not have experienced this. When I come into the presence of God, when I'm picking up the atmosphere of heaven, when I come out of the atmosphere of this world and its values and its PCness and its messages of tolerance, when I come out of that, and sit in the atmosphere of God and pray into a situation and the peace of God comes, I go, yes, that's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to press in. But here's one thing I've noticed. As I come out of the the sense of God's awareness, because His presence is always with us, but as I come out of that awareness or it diminishes, I come over to this place where other atmospheres are around me, my heart gets a little bit unsettled come back into here it's at peace and so to find the peace of God you've got to firstly discern the atmosphere that you're in and so allowing the the spirit of Christ to rule is a call for us to come daily, regularly to grow the awareness of the presence of God and live there one other verse 
Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Don't worry. Do not worry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The word guard here has this picture of a soldier constantly on alert, constantly taking the initiative. Before an attack even comes near, the guard is out there to engage it and defuse it. That's how Jesus is. When we place his peace first around our hearts, he is active to keep us in a place of peace, of heart and of peace of mind. Why is this so important? Have you ever tried being in your lane? Just imagine an athlete at the Olympics running for his country or her country for the 100-meter final and going, gee, I'm really worried. I I might be in the wrong lane. Um, I've got the wrong shoes. Um, Gee, I'm... I don't know if I should be doing this. Just caught up in anxiety and caught up in worry. Are they going to be able to give their best? No. And we all face worry and anxieties. But this is what God is saying. In the midst of your worry, in the midst of your anxiety, there I am in the presence of it. There my peace will get you to the end of that race, running well in your lane for His glory. It's an awesome place to be, an awesome place. You know, the kingdom, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. One of those keys I want to share with you this evening, it's really simple. I want you to take note of it. And please, can I ask you to do your best to remember it because it will help you a lot. Here's this key. The kingdom is faith founded. takes the faith of your heart. It's voice activated and it's action orientated. Faith founded, voice activated, action orientated. That's how the kingdom of God works. And Jesus, well, the word says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind trusts in me. And so I want to encourage this church to allow God's peace to rule, allow God's peace to guard our hearts, and the peace of God grows in us by trusting in Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Isn't that an awesome place to be? It is absolutely brilliant. Awesome, the peace of God. And God so longs to shower His peace upon us. That we as a people live in a community of peace. We function in a community of peace. When we need to talk with one another, it's from a place of peace. Because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is Lord of all. It's really interesting. I I love um, the Aaronic blessing in in, um, Numbers chapter 6. 
verses 24 to 26. That's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. And it starts off, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord be gracious to you and show you His favor. May the Lord give you His peace and His face shine upon you. That word there for peace is the Hebrew word shalom. The word for Lord is actually the Lord's personal name, Yahweh. God is so personally interested in blessing us with His peace and His grace so we can run our race and run it well. God doesn't want us to run it with worry. God doesn't want us to run it with anxiety. God wants us to run it with peace and joy. What an awesome way to live. What an awesome way to run with peace and joy. And it's not found in the absence of trouble because Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. In this world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. So Jesus doesn't promise the absence of trouble, but he does promise the presence of peace amongst it. And that's an awesome thing. So we can run with peace and we can run with joy, knowing the Lord is ever with us and ever for us. It's an awesome place to be. Sarah, I just really believe the Lord wants to encourage you. I've been just thinking on this for a little while as I've been here. Do you know how a, a bird, when it's been flying in the air, and it comes down and it lands? I believe you're like that bird. Beautiful. It's come down and landed. Landed in a good place. Landed in a place that's fertile and a place to flourish, a place of peace place to find joy. So I believe the Lord wants to really encourage you with that. Awesome. Well, I'm going to wrap up, but I want to give you three takeaway things tonight, church. Are you up for these? I'd like you to do them this week. They're the same as they were this morning. As I said, I don't want to confuse you. I don't want anybody missing out on them. And I want us to all do them. So Think about doing this tomorrow. I'm going to give you three things. You can do one of the three. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to do at least one of the three. Okay. Here's the first thing. This is the how-to. I'm giving you the how-to. How to grow in God's peace. How to enjoy it. So we know the presence of God is key to it. So when you get out of bed in the morning, when you wake up, depending on what your routine is, consider putting this into it. Opening your hands and your heart to heaven and saying, Father, I'm conscious of your presence. I ask for your presence with me. I'm dialing in. Lord, may your presence fill me. And Lord, I ask for your grace, the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. I ask for your peace to be present for me this day. Let me grow and let me run in the lane you have for me. May your peace rule my heart and may your peace govern everything I say and do. Lord, I receive, it's a key word, Lord, I receive your grace and peace. Awesome. That's one thing. Here's the second thing you can do. 
when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee in the north and uh, he fed 5,000 and he said to the disciples, go out into the boat and onto the lake. And there was a storm that came up and the storms come up um, in a certain time of the year over two or three months in the north of the Sea of Galilee as the winds come and they stir up the waters. And it was around this time of the year and the waters were stirred and the disciples were afraid. And Jesus comes walking on the water. The disciples think it's a ghost. This is what Jesus says in their moment of anxiety, fear, worry, and concern. In Matthew 14, 27, Jesus says this. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say that? Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. So here's the second takeaway. When you're in your office or classroom or factory or wherever it is in the morning, why don't you write that out? Matthew, 20, Matthew 14, 27. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Just those three brief sentences. If you need to do that at lunchtime, write it again. If you need to do it in the evening. And then the next day, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And then finally, the third thing to do, and don't feel you want to do all of them, at least take one of them. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. There's eight words there. Be still and know that I am God. Then drop one word each time. Be still and know that I am Be still and know that I. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be filled with God's peace. Be filled with God's grace. Isn't that an awesome place to be? Bless your church.